download from BBC Asian Network. For more downloads, log on to the BBC Asian Network website. Rajan Pablo. Hi there, Bollywood friends. Welcome to another Fit to Burst Rajan Pablo podcast. Loads happening on this week's podcast. Amar Akbar and Tony is the upcoming British comedy drama every filmy fan here in the UK is buzzing about. So we are not just talking to the film's big players. We're bringing them right to you. Director Atul Malhotra, actress Manrina Reiki and the performer Rishi Rich, who's worked on the film's soundtrack, are live in our studios. This week's other release is 3D sci-fi thriller Mr X, which stars Imran Hashmi. Hear what he had to say to our very own Mr Raj Danda. Plus, as Mr X is smashing the latest 3D concept, we look at how special effects have evolved through Bollywood and what we can expect our films to deliver in the future. Gedan Yadiv, the head of special effects of Shah Rukh's company, Red Chilies, gives us the lowdown of how they have experienced the special effects in the world of Bollywood. And of course, don't forget, Salil Acharya joins us live from Mumbai with all the Bollywood gossip. Salil, how are you? Brilliant, brilliant. I'm having a nice little lunch and I'm just trying to give you all the gossip. Oh, good, 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 good. So tell us, tell us what are you having for lunch first. <laughs> I had some fish and I had some soup and I've got Ritik Roshan ready to be served to you. Oh, uh, well, good, good, good. Talking about Ritik Roshan now, um, we all look forward to his um, new movies and his uh, big releases. So tell us what's happening with his next movie. You know, the thing is, he works with uh, Ashutosh Gwarikar and the last time they did uh, Jodha Akbar together, and it's fantastic. Mm. But I'm shocked at the speed at which they work, and they've almost finished 70% of Mohinjadaro. Wow. It's, uh, it's been a grueling shoot, and apparently this is the same shoot where every morning Ritik and his six staff members and 20 of the entire unit have to wake up and go to the gym because he wants everyone to get fit. So I know that people are crying sitting with him, saying that, you know, you're the actor, why do we have to do all this? But apparently everyone's got super fit, and they finished 70% of the movie. Uh, the only problem is that uh, I'm hearing reports that the movie's a bit slow. Now, you know, Ashtosh Gwarikar, yes, uh, he's brilliant. He's made a Lagan, but he's also made a Swadesh, which didn't do that well. Mm. So I'm hoping you know, they can tighten up in the edits because he's apparently looking like a god in this movie. Can he look any better than he did in Bang Bang? Yes, apparently they're saying he's looking better than he looked in Bang Bang, better than he looked in Jodha Akbar. And I said, stop with the superlatives, okay? Let, let's just watch it. But apparently he is. His physique is looking better. Everything about him, if possible, is looking better. Good for him, good for him. Now tell us, talk, talking about people looking better, what do Deepika, Alia, Malaika, Rurakan and Jacqueline have in common? Well, apparently they found this amazing trainer. Now the thing is, we all hear about the trainers who get the Shah Rukh D8 packs and Shahid the 17,000 packs and all that, you know, Prashant, they're all known. But do you know that there's one girl, Yasmin, who's working out with all these girls and she's got them super fit. If you see out the videos that she's making them do, they're doing aerial yoga and God knows what. Deepika Padukone is hanging mid air and doing crunches like I've never seen anybody do. And apparently this is all for the new Sanjaliya Mazzani film, which she's doing in item number four. Uh, I think they're going to look super fit and the girls are now going to be sporting four and six packs. I'm completely sure of that. Wow. Um, and um, staying with Deepika, and I don't believe this for a minute because she's met me a number of times, uh, <laughs> but is it true she had, well, she doesn't really have a crush on a star, but recently Recently, there have been rumours that she may have. Not a star. No. See, now the thing is, the rumours are all wrong mm. because the right rumours are she only likes sportsmen. And there's one sportsman that she got tongue-tied with when she met recently, about a month ago. He's a tennis player. His name's Roger Federer. So she oh. gets everybody out of the picture. And she says, Salil, I can't like any uh, film actor because I've grown up with sportsmen. And which is why she's too, you know, there was a long time back. I don't know if you remember, she was dating Yuvraj Singh and then she appeared on the balcony, much like how Anushka Sharma appears with Virat Kohli. But of course, she flew down for one day and that relationship apparently didn't last long. But she has a thing for tennis players. So if you want to get close, to <laughs> I suggest you start learning tennis. <laughs> I'm off after the show. Um, now, and um, becoming a producer is kind of like a new thing for Bollywood stars. Um, Anushka Sharma, Neil Nitin Mikesh, Shashant Singh, um, they're all turning uh, their hands to producing. 
Well, see, it all started, of course, with Akshay Kumar and Amir Khan and Salman and Shah Rukh Khan. But now it seems that the smaller stars, you know, want to work in films that they want to work in, and you're not the ones that will be provided to them. I think this is a great move for Bollywood, A, because a number of smaller films will come in, which will be within the budget. And then, you know, then you'll have an NH10 come across, you know, which is a different kind of film. And uh, I have a feeling now, with these new spate of directors that will be working with these actors, we will see a very different kind of cinema which will coexist with the Salmans and the Shah Rukhs of the world, which I think is fantastic. And plus, of course, it also helps if you have your own production house, because if nobody's offering you work, you can always make your own film. You know, that is such a true statement. If you can't get work, get your own production house. Yeah. Hey, Imran, it's Raj from Raj and Pablo. How are you? Hi, Raj. How are you doing? Really good. Tell us about Mr. X. Well, it's a film about an invisible man. Uh, he's a man who uh, actually starts off as a righteous cop and uh, something uh, he goes through a traumatic incident uh, that completely transforms him uh, into this who's actually dealing with an ailment. He's, uh, he becomes invisible, and how he harnesses that weakness and it becomes uh, kind of a superpower, and he, how he gets back to the people who've wronged him. You know, the trailer is absolutely brilliant with all the special effects. How hard was that to do? Uh, you know, to ask the special effects team, they, they are the guys who've actually worked uh, nicely to kind of uh, achieve that. Um, and, uh, it, I mean, it's done for the first time here. So it was, uh, it took uh, longer than it should have, but, you know, it's because we had to get it right. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it was not so much of just erasing the, the guy um, in the film. It, it also had to deal with how... Um, the light falls on him. There's certain situations in which he can be seen, like direct sunlight and in blue neon light. So he almost kind of uh, flickers in situations. So, so rendering those things were very tedious for the entire team. So, you know, with reference to like when uh, Mikesh Buck came to you with this role, uh, did you ever imagine you becoming a superhero? It's not a superhero in the true sense. It's, um, it's actually... Um, you know, a superhero would be someone who's uh, who, who's kind of selfless. Uh, for this man, it's kind of a personal vendetta uh, story. It's a man getting back to these guys, a couple of people who wronged him. Um, he uh, is also he doesn't have a problem. Uh, ideo- you know, his ideologies and his morals are kind of could be questioned. He doesn't have a problem putting a bullet into anyone who's wronged him. And so there again goes out the entire concept of the superhero. Um, it's only this one power that he has that probably could qualify the way he could qualify as being a, a superhero. But I think this film would, would op, I guess, be a foundation, a base to a, a superhero film in the second part. But uh, at the moment, Mr. X is a guy who is uh, a normal guy who's, who's, who's on his personal vendetta uh, on, on quest. And what was it like working opposite Amira Dastur? Because she's very intense and very gorgeous. Yeah, she's great. She's uh, she's done two films for this. She's uh, she's very good. She's really you know held her own in this film. She's someone who's uh, extremely professional, chilled out. She's played a character who is you know extremely strong-willed uh, as, as a woman. She's there's, there's a vulnerable side to her. Uh, there's this duality of a woman being in love, and then you know then there is this clash of ideologies where these two lovers become enemies. Uh, she's really alone and she's, she's tailored pretty well. Now, you know, like, it's Rajan Pablo, so we have to ask you, you are known as a serial kissing. Is it true you've said kissing is now overrated? Everyone's doing it. Yeah, everyone's doing it. It's, uh, it's become pretty prevalent uh, in the industry and uh, what was in the beginning when I started off 10, 11 years ago, uh, what was looked down on by a certain section of the audience, what was uh, um, like spoken about in hushed tones and, you know, uh-huh. be accepted. Right now, it's kind of, it's become a norm, I think, in every film. All the youngsters are okay with it, obviously. Uh, most of the films have younger actors doing it. So you are the kissing trailblazer. Is there a kiss in this film? There, there is. There's one with me and, and there, there are two other ones with my... Uh, uh, with the invisible guy, <laughs> with, with with the animated version of me, and uh, you know, Emran, the other thing I have to ask you about is like this is one of your first films that's given a U certificate that your son can watch. How do you feel about that? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm excited. He's you know 
from the first couple of promos, he's wanting he's been wanting to watch the film. He's been very excited about it, so I'll be showing it to him uh, this week uh, or early next week. So yeah, looking forward to the reaction. And what else is coming up for you? You've signed Hamari Aduri Kahani with Vidya Balan. There's a big buzz about that, and also, um, but the Mies. How's that all going? Uh, no, there's Hamari Aduri Kahani, which is complete, which is released on 12th June. Uh-huh. And there's uh, Azar, uh, which is Azuddin's biopic, which is released next year. What else? Are you going to go into production or direction now? No, no, not at the moment. It's uh, just acting now. Just hoping I get some good scripts and uh, hoping to do some good work in the next couple of years. And so um, what what is your big big ambition? What is the one role that you want to do and see yourself on screen? Uh, I think it's with every film. I think if uh, a film script, a director, and a writer inspire me, that becomes my dream role for that for that bit for that moment. So um, yeah, at the moment, it's Mr. X, Maria Duri Kahani, as it. And, you know, the other thing, Mr. X, it's both in 2D and 3D. What was the process like shooting for this? Well, we had 3D cameras, which uh, are sent down from um, from LA, and we shot it uh, in real 3D. This is not a conversion. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's, it's a bit tedious for, I guess, the entire team, because it takes slightly 30% more time than normal sh- uh, shoots. Uh, because the way the lighting is done and the way the, the depth of field field is um, you know shot. So, uh, but as far as that, uh, apart from that, it's it's pretty standard. It's it's like shooting a normal film. And Emran, you know, the other thing is like, is it anything like Mr. India? Were you a fan of Mr. India with Anil Kapoor? Yes, I was. I've, I've seen that film. I remember over or ten, twenty times uh, as a kid. I was in school when it released, and uh, yeah, it's it's just somewhere it's been part of our consciousness uh, in our country that's the only film as far as the invisibility factor was tapped and um, I hope that this film surpasses that as far as expectations go and finally why should everyone worldwide watch Mr. X uh, for the story for, for, the, for the 3D experience for, for this, this great story of this invisible man and of course, for, for Indians, for people of our nation, it's it's deeply, deeply entrenched and rooted in our culture uh, and our core mythology. Emran, as always, an absolute pleasure. All the best with Mr. X. You take care. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. For me, um, mm-hmm. special effects really came into play, um, of course, with the Doom movies um, and then with Krish, especially um, the last Krish, where you had the Frogman and you had like Vivek Albroy with his laboratory and all that kind of stuff. And you think, wow, that's really, really good. But do you know what? that special effects really, really, really kicked in for me as a child what? when I watched Nargin? Nagin. Because that is when the. Shiri Devi one. Shiri Devi or Rena Roy as well when she used to turn into a snake. And all of a sudden the, sc- the screen used to freeze and you just saw them kind of like the heroine disappear again and then all of a sudden there'd be a snake on the floor. No, but you know, special effects have been in Bollywood um, from countless of times. Remember, right, we are the only industry that always has double roles because you've got a Jordba twin. Oh, that's yes. true. That's true. And they used to be quite stilted, didn't they? Very true. Rena. I feel like you're about to say something. Yeah, you're no. looking at me. <laughs> the double role, even the triple role, that's when I was first introduced to special effects. It's like, oh my gosh, how can you be here and there? But um, I was looking online, I was doing some research for this, uh-huh. and there's so many movies which we don't realise have special effects used on them. For example, things like Chandani Chok to China, Jedi Express. So I was looking online and they showed photos of how we see it and then a green screen. And, you know, people just hanging there on a green screen and it kind of destroys the magic it does a doesn't bit. it I'm, what I'm, is a green screen for um, people who don't know well, well go and uh, I'll, no, I'll let our producer right. tell us so the green screen is um, you film in front of a green screen and then you can put another picture on there right. some amazing scenery or something and it's you know it's a special effect and they do it so well obviously you believe that they're flying in the sky Wow. A bit like Mary Poppins, that yeah. scene was. I think yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Oh, that about. Chandni Chok to yeah, China. China. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. Chennai Express, you know, and obviously Bag Milka Bag when there's a stadium full of people. Right. So that's a special effect. See, we kind of think that special effects only happen with the whole kind of like sci-fi. the dish and dish and sci-fi. Yeah. sci-fi. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, even at that level, they're using them. And uh, when you mentioned Triple Rules, Mahan with Amitabh yes, Bachchan. exactly. Where he was the father yeah. and the two twins. Mm. I thought it was brilliant. I couldn't believe that there was three Amitabh Bachchans in one scene. And let's not forget Mr. India. 
brilliant movie. Very similar mm. to Mr. Brilliant X, movie. which has yes, been released. Exactly. Yeah. Mr. yeah, But do you think Mr. India actually had Anil Kapoor in it? Because you never see him. But that's because he's invisible. <laughs> All right. Do you know that um, India's first special effects movie was Kwab Ki Dunia in 1937? Uh, Charndeep's text in as well. She, she goes, what about the 1982 film Guzzab, where Dharmendra turns into a Hulk at the end? I do remember that, yes, actually. The Hulk. Uh, but it's really made me think about how the industry's kind of moved on. Right from, you know, like it was uh, Babu Bhaiya Mystery, who was known as India's father of trick photography. And it basically, in Kwab Ki Dunia, which was the first special effects movie, you are just saying in 1937 really? it was all like a a, a black curtain uh, dim lighting and like things on a black st- a string so you couldn't really see it but you'd see things flying around and uh, um, a lot of um, people are privileged to receive the Dada Saab Falke award now Dada Saab Falke was a silent movie producer and his silent movie Kaliya Maradan which was released in 1919 used special effects uh, I think it was 1970s but I saw the beginning of like computer graphics and all that mm. coming um, into Bollywood, especially after Hollywood had kind of used it. Um, well, no, Hollywood kind of used it. And, well, we, I think we caught up around about the 1980s, wasn't it? Uh, where we had like horror movies, Johnny Dushman. Um, oh, Johnny Dushman. Bissal Bad. Oh, Johnny Dushman. That used to give me the creeps. That really did. Well, what it about Fir Wohirat? Bagalanti. Yeah, exactly. It was the Ramsey brothers that used to have all these plastic masks and monsters just springing up from nowhere. Mm, it was the, scary. And then, then the Butt Brothers, they started as well with all their movies, especially in Murder, all those sequences. Uh, murder, actually, um, I think I have to say, Gangana did really, really well. When she first started acting, um, she was kind of like part of all those big movies that used a lot of special effects. And they used it kind of, you know, like her... Um, Getting possessed all the time. And floating yes. around in the sky and all yes. that kind of stuff. Terrible. Uh, you could see the strings. It was terrible effects. Well, some of them were, but she was pretty good. And now the current um, animation and special effects industry is worth $247 million per year, that is. And it's growing 20%. This is in Bollywood. It's amazing. So tell us, why are more and more Bollywood movies using visual effects technology? Uh, well, see, uh, to start with, because uh, Bollywood used this tool of visual effects pretty late compared to Hollywood and we were limited to very few genres which was comedy, rom-coms, thrillers, drama or slapstick comedies. But now with the new kind of films being made where new genres are touched upon where superhero, mythology, sci-fi, horror, uh, and with the new set of directors coming in who know how to use the the visual effects techniques to save time, save cost, uh, make it more spectacular, uh, make it more, uh, less, make it less uh, risky as a stand. And that's the reason, you know, Bollywood is now using a lot more visual effects than than earlier. In what Bollywood movie do you think um, that uh, visual special effects were used really well? Two two films which comes to my notice was definitely yes, one was Ravan, and the other one was Krish Three in recent times. And uh, apart from that, these are the two flagship projects which you know which are prime VFX films in in Bollywood. Uh, Apart from that, there are other films where it is being used smartly. But these are the two films which, which comes to my mind. Oh, go on, tell us, when were they not used so well? I mean, to be frank, I I, I do not, uh, I can't comment on the other films, but I understand where the problem is that most of the films in India uh, where visual effects is used are, are normal romantic comedies or slapstick comedies or action fillers where there's some 200, 300 shots in the film, uh, which doesn't have a significant impact on the on the film. And that's where sometimes the producers do not have budget or they do not give you time or, you know, for various reasons, the studios do not get that kind of 
time or the budget which they require to do justice to that that uh, show. And that's where sometimes because of various reasons it goes wrong. And do you think like Indian cinema can match the level of special effects like say in Western movies? Uh, yes, of course it can. Uh, in fact, there have been uh, uh, there are a lot of films where mainstream Hollywood films where a part of the visual effects has happened in India. Uh, initially, there was non-creative work where rotoscopy, paint, and normal compositing was coming our way. But lately, uh, some good, very creative work as well is coming India's way. And I know a lot of studios, including our studio, we also worked on a couple of uh, Hollywood flicks. We did uh, 200 shots in Clinton City too. Uh, and we did uh, some work in Hercules as well. And these was these, these were creative work. These were, you know, very uh, uh, top of the line Hollywood quality work. So, and there are other studios also who have been doing uh, Hollywood films uh, and working as a part on it, and it's working out. Keaton, are there any new developments that we can look forward to in special effects technology used in movies? See, we are working on a project called FAN, where, again, we are doing something which has never been done before, uh, not even in Hollywood. Uh, there, people have tried earlier, but those projects have been abandoned. And I think what we are doing right now, which will be, which will be a, it will be a path-breaking uh, venture in terms of achieving, which has never been achieved before. So we are working on something very exciting. And um, how will this impact um, the way Bollywood films are made? See, uh, technology-wise, if you see uh, studios around the world, uh, they are actually at par. I mean, we use the same software, we use the same infrastructure, we use the same hardware. So machines, infrastructure, software, they are all basically, they are all common, almost common throughout the world. Bearing a few uh, proprietorship uh, things which every studio has developed on their way, which is not available in the market. Everything is almost at par. The difference lies in two things, is uh, basically three things. One is definitely the expertise of the people who are sitting in front of the computers, the artists, uh, that and the experience of those artists. Secondly, the capacity to handle these huge projects, which which is India is still still. Uh, a little new. And the third thing is, of course, the budget. So these are the three factors which somehow sometimes deter a Bollywood films into achieving what their full potential as far as the visual effects is concerned. So in that case, uh, we are at par. Uh, so what lies, the difference lies in the scope of project and, of course, the artist. I know everyone's been on about this, but can you tell us what did Shah Rukh Khan really think about his life-size 3D printed model? Oh, he was, he was shocked. So normally when Shah Rukh Khan is around, he's always talking and he's always, you know, engaging and all that. But when we showed him the model, there was silence. You know, there was like five minutes, there was silent. He was just admiring the statue, every fold of the trouser, the crease of the shirt, the details and everything. And then, of course, he bombarded us with series of questions. But he was pleasantly surprised and we were also glad that uh, we could gift him something so unique, you know, with something which money couldn't buy or something which was first of its kind in the world. Now, we have been talking about the movie Amar Akbar and Tony, and we yes. promised you we we're going to bring you some of the stars from the movie. We are joined by director Atul Malhotra, actress Marina Ricci, and producer Rishi Rich, and they're all live in the studio. Welcome, guys, to the Rajan Pablo Show. How are you all? Uh, Marina, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. It's great to have you on the show. Um, Atul, welcome to the show as well. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Yeah, it's lovely in here. Um, and we can see um, Rishi there. Rishi, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Yeah. I'm just good. 
fiddling with the headphones. Well, yeah, bring him into his studio, <laughs> yeah. and he can't <laughs> stop fiddling with the buttons. <laughs> What's he like? What's he like? Abdul, first of all, congratulations. How are you feeling? Your labour of love is finally released yesterday. Amarak Bertoni. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, it's been really good. Uh, I think there's been a real interest for the film uh-huh. and uh, I really hope people get around to, to watching it this weekend because it's our opening weekend and we've had some really good feedback from yesterday. Uh-huh. I have to say, I'm, I wasn't in the country when um, it was screened here. Raj um, went to watch it and he's been telling me about the movie and he's been saying uh, great things about it, but I'd like to know, I mean, one really straightforward question. Uh, Amarakpur Tony, obviously Amarakpur Anthony, how did that happen? Um, okay, so I mean, for me, it was, uh, you know, firstly, I should state it's not a remake. So just in case anybody's expecting that, they yeah. will uh-huh. be uh, disappointed. It, but what it is, is it's very much inspired by the spirit of the film. And what I mean by that was when Manmohan Desai made Amarak Anthony, it was, it was kind of at a time where, you know, there was a bit of unrest, uh, you know, within within uh, India. Well, they often talk about the angry young man and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, but it was also, you know, it was a story about, you know, three brothers who get separated mm. at a really young age and one gets brought up in a uh, Muslim household, one gets brought up in a Christian household, one gets brought up in a, in a Hindu household. Uh-huh. And, uh, but it was, a, you know, it was kind of a plea for unity. And I kind of thought, well, you know, here we are, we grow up side by side with lots of different cultures and religions and, and wouldn't it be cool? And somewhere I kind of made a mental connection with that film. But it's only the title, really, that's... And the spirit that's connected. After after watching the movie, I absolutely loved it. It's so funny. Um, a breath of fresh air, and she's got such screen presence. It's Manrina. Manrina, what were you like when um, you were offered the role? I was very excited. I read the script um, before I went in for the audition, and I knew that it was a project I desperately wanted to be part of. So, yeah, when Atul gave me the, gave me the call back and said, "Yeah, we'd like to cast you as Nita," I was jumping. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I mean, I have seen some of the clips when uh, with, with you in it. Um, were you kind of like, okay, this is a part I really, really want to play, or were you kind of like, oh, I might be a bit shy doing this? Yeah, this was a pl- part I really didn't want to play, <laughs> but I really wanted to be part of the project, and uh-huh. that's how much I love the film. <laughs> that yeah, I made those really special rotia, and you'll have to watch the film to see no, what I mean. Yeah, they are really special rotias. <laughs> never taste the same again after that scene. I'm warning uh, you now. But it's kind of it's a bit of a family affair because um, Rishi, your husband, uh, you, you you're involved with the music. What I, what came first? So did Uncle kind of go right? Rishi, will you do the music and then? Was it a coincidence that Manrina was in the movie? Um, well, Atul approached me about doing the score uh-huh. and the soundtrack first. And then when he gave me the script, I was blown away. I was like, this is, I love the story. Mm. I love the, the feel of it. And um, Manrina was obviously, you know, she, she's got into acting. She's yeah. already done a film in, in, uh, in India, a Punjabi film. And we were reading the script together and I said, read this. What do you think? And she loved it. And, you know, there was a few characters which I said, you know what, you could actually, you know, audition for the, you know, for a couple of these roles, and and then we met Atul at uh, at an event and introduced, um, I introduced Manrina to him, and she just basically took control and she said, look, you know, I wanna, I would love to kind of audition. So I kind of just stayed out of it really, uh-huh. and these guys, you know, Manrina went for an audition. She went for uh, another role, uh, which was Karen's role actually, uh-huh. and um, Atul's like, yeah, that was great, but you know, I see you as Nita. And, um, you know, it took a bit of convincing because, you know, her role was quite, you know, it's quite different to what Manuina is in, in, in real life. life yes. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we went away. I remember we went away to the Cotswolds and, and I was, uh, we, after a few bottles of wine, I was like, I think you need to do this role. Yes. <laughs> and we rang at and we said, you know, she's going to do it. And um, it was great. I was embracing my inner Indian Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> That's well, a good that way of putting it. That's, that's, you're right, that's going to be your new tagline. Marlon Monroe. And I thought, what was it like? I mean, um, obviously, you know, uh, with Manrina and Rishi. Uh, well, I, I can say it now, now that because yeah, yeah. I, I recall it slightly differently. Because I know I was so the, the character that Manrina plays is a girl called Nita, who is who is meant to be the hottest uh, girl in Southall, the kind of woman that every guy who walks past turns their head. And I did, a, I did a couple of days of casting on this and I was really struggling. And obviously, at that, you, you do, while you're doing casting, you're also discussing other stuff. And so Rishi and I had already been talking about music. We were talking, and I do also remember when I saw Marina, I was thinking, I, how do I ask Rishi? I can't really ask Rishi. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, all, the, <laughs> all these thoughts are kind of getting... And it was just really fortuitous because, uh, you know, because uh, Marina was 
was interested in one of the other roles, and I, and I thought, you know, I, I'm really going to struggle to cast cast this role, Anita, because it really needs to be someone who can make an impact straight away. Uh, so, uh, luckily, uh, they went to the Cotswolds, had a drink, and, uh, <laughs> and I was able to kind of uh, approach the topic as well. And uh, and and uh, yeah, and, and she's fantastic. Now, you me- you mentioned that re- you know that that this is not a remake of Amarapur Anthony. What is your most magical? Oh, I'm going to ask all three of you. What are your most magical moments from the original Amarapur Anthony at all? Robert. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I remember that, Rishi. Um, I think when he found the when Vinod Khanna found the gun that they yes. had buried years that, ago, years ago. Yeah. that scene was real cool. You know when he went back and uh, you know. I don't um, remember any particular scenes. I remember really enjoying the film. You said it's not a remake of um, Amarok Barantini, um, but where, what what kind of journey does this movie take you on? Uh, is it kind of like a modern shocker movie, if you like, or is it is it a Bollywood twist to it anywhere? Um, I think uh, there is a kind of marriage between Bollywood and, say, British independent films, which is a very unusual marriage. Mm. And so I think it's a unique film from that point of view. And the story is effectively about uh, three friends, uh, three childhood friends who grown up in Hounslow. And it's kind of, you know, I, the way I kind of pictured it when I was writing it or kind of my template for it was if I was to drop into these friends' lives over a period of 10 years and picked out a couple of highlight moments... You know, what would they be? And it basically, you know, that's how I structured the story. I mean, that was the, the principle of where I meet them. Uh, and it's basically, so that is kind of what it is. It's a period of 10 years in these guys' lives and the from what they were like when they were younger to other incidents that happen along the way, to other partners' relationships that they find along the way and how it impacts them uh, by the end of that. Um, and Manrina, yeah. I've got to ask you, like, uh, because, you know, I thought you said that, you know, based um, uh, these lives in Hanslow, um, and like, like, kind of being a, a Londoner, were there bits that you could relate to um, where you kind of like, oh, I remember that, or I kind of, you know, I know this kind of happened. Yeah, no, I have um, an opening scene, and without saying too much, it's me walking down South Old Broadway and um, definitely did that when I was younger and had all the boys like wolf whistle as you walk past so totally yeah it's all about the way when we Mm. were growing up Is this a modern version of Bend It Like Beckham? Oh Um, No I think Bend It Like Beckham is modern unto itself Uh Uh, I don't think it's actually in any ways related to or got anything to do with that other right. than there are people in Hounslow and they happen to be <laughs> of Asian skin but why, otherwise story-wise it's not. Why has it taken so long for another British Asian movie to come out? You know I, I think um, it's a really interesting point. Ironically there have been a few mm. that have come out. The The thing is nobody knows about them right. and, and why that happens and it perhaps might be happening with might happen without our film as well. The, the thing is because distributors don't get behind them, mm. uh, uh, you know, because they don't believe that there is a market for films with British Asian people in them, or right. enough of a market with films with British Asian people in them, then, uh, you know, they don't get behind it, they don't get it out into enough cinemas, they don't put enough marketing spend on it, so right. people are not aware of them. But there have been at least four or five films since Bendy Like Beckham, which, you know, my mates don't even know about. Right. Uh, and that's, that's quite horrifying. Uh, and Rish, were you kind of lucky enough to see like some of uh, you know this, the footage when you were doing when you were doing the score? Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine you've got to have something visual in front of you. Yeah, when you're I, kind of- I saw you know the film from from when it started to get filmed till the end. You know, so I saw the progression of it. I went to set as well to see it being filmed, just to kind of get a, a feel of what's going on. Um, you know, apart from probably Atul and the editor, I probably know all the words. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, he knows the words better than yeah, I do. <laughs> because, uh, you know, when you're scoring, you, you have to kind of, uh, you have to really be in tune with the visual, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I had it on repeat and when I was scoring, I had to kind of really, really get into the film. So, so is it different, like, when you're working, with, for example, when you're working with artists like Jay Shawn, mm-hmm. um, I... I, I take it doing scoring is totally different from having Jay Sean sitting in the studio going, "Okay, I want to make a track. Let's let's kind of just b- yeah. you know get some beats out." I mean, it's you know, it's one you don't have any artists, which is sometimes a blessing, you know, because it's, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just you, you yeah. know, and and you're the artist actually, and um, and and you're working with with the film. I mean, working on a on a song with an artist is a totally different kind of concept because you know you're writing lyrics, you're writing the melody, and then you're recording vocals. With this, it's just like it's me my piano mm. and the you know the screen and I'm just composing and I'm putting all the elements on and it's uh, it's great and Atul used to come you know in and out of the studio and see see what I was up to mm. and, and and we used to sit together and um, it was great because 
no one really knew what was happening. So it was like actually just between my, you know, myself and Atul and until people saw it in, in you know, at the premiere and people were like I wasn't allowed to see it either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so you didn't take your work well, home. <laughs> no, I was very protective about the score because mm. I think I you know, I wanted people to first see it in, in the cinema because that's where it's gonna be appreciated. Somebody just tweeted, this is Saluni, who has said, I just want to say, I love Munrina and Rishi. Hashtag best couple ever. Aww. <laughs> do, do you think, you've, has it become a bit like that now? Because, you know, obviously you're an actress, you're um, a producer, um, and so has it become a bit like, you know, celeb couple, everyone wondering what you're doing, what brand's going to come out next? Are you the Brangelina? No, oh, British <laughs> Asian stuff. Rishrina. Rishrina. There you go. Rishrina. That's it. I think we just, we just, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great partnership we have. It's a great uh-huh. marriage. We're friends, best of friends, and we just, we're just cool, man. You know, we yeah. just. Well, I imagine nothing. it's, I, I imagine it's quite good for, um, well, one another because you can kind of like say, okay, you know what, this is what's happened today, and then talk about work yeah. and kind of go, okay, be Definitely. careful of this, or have you met so and so. Rishi's been in the industry so much longer than me, so it's definitely great to have him by my side and let me know how things work and what I should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah, and we, you know, we, we, we you know, it's really nice now when we get to step out at events mm. and we go together and um, and we get to showcase, you know, each other's work in, in that way. Well, so. and you look very good on the red carpet. Yeah, yeah, we did say we, we we did see you yesterday. Yeah, and I think my words to Raj were, oh, she looks like a Hollywood actress. Yes, I'm not kidding. Yes, you look stunning. Thank you. Um, and uh, I thought I have to ask you as well. Uh, so when you, you know, Friday was a big release, yeah? Uh, were you kind of waiting at home thinking, okay, you know what? I don't want to talk to anyone. What do you what do? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so I went around to a couple of cinemas to make sure they had our posters up. So okay. I, was, I, I, did, I did really mundane stuff. So, I, yeah, and just to make, because we've had, you know, cause, because we're not a big release and there's been some really big films either side of us, you know, it's very hard to even get your posters up in some of these cinemas. Yeah. So I went, I did a bit of a drive around and made sure they didn't have our posters I kind of went in and begged them to put our posters so quite hands on then well yeah absolutely you know and uh, you know then I have uh, you know I had kind of uh, a few friends who who were going to see it so I kind of uh, had a a kind of quick drink with them and Uh left them to it and yeah so it's kind of you know quite quite kind of mundane mundane (laughs) stuff really is it a sense of relief and release now or are you thinking oh my god I've got so much more to do Um, it is it is a sense of relief and I'm quite excited i mean i really want people to see it and that's what this journey uh-huh. has been about is putting a film out there that people can get to see mm. um showing different characters and different storylines it is a very different film to to how we're used to seeing uh, ourselves on screen and so from that point of view it'd be good if people kind of go in there with an open mind to watch it are you already thinking about your next movie i, I absolutely am i have three things that are kind of sitting there Right, poised, and and I'm, I, you know, I'm going to decide which one to, to to trigger off the back of how things go. Yeah. If there's a story about two radio DJs, I'm writing it as we speak. <laughs> uh, guys, I mean, uh, you've been in the states for a while, uh, mm-hmm. so Rishi, how's it all going for you there? Um, I, are we going to hear some big news? I mean, because you know, we've been hearing a lot of rumours about what you're doing, and you know, it's kind of we've also heard that you may be moving into LA yeah I think um, you know we moved to Atlanta last year Mm. after signing with Teddy Teddy Riley and you know we've just kind of settled it took a little while and it's you know it's just great I think my main you know our main thing was not to go to America and just you know uh, just suddenly just blow up there and it was like we need I I always wanted to live in America and we're still trying to find out where we want to live Um, I'm loving you know you know the the place we live now I've got my own studio Marina's doing acting Uh Um, it's just a great, it's a, it's, a, it's such a great feeling just being there, meeting so many different people. You know, I've sud- I went um, with the intention of I'm going to focus on what I'm doing, and suddenly all these artists like Amrit Dasu and Serena yes. and all these people are saying, "Look, we're so glad you're in America. Can you do something?" I was going to say, what's that like? Yeah. What's the scene like there? Exactly, there's because- so much talent there, but there's no avenue for these artists. So suddenly, people like, okay, we, you know, you're not in London, you're in America now. We want to work with you, and then my mind's ticking. I'm like. Okay, I can maybe replicate what I did in the UK mm. on a much bigger scale. So, yeah, we're just having—I'm just having so much fun, and I like the fact we come to London, we do what we need to do, and then we kind of, you know, we go back and and work on what we both have to do as as, as a couple. We love coming home as well. We love London. We love the UK. Yeah, I was just saying actually that on this trip we've stayed in, you know, hotels. We stayed with our parents, and I was like, we've seen a lot of London, and she was like, no, because we live in America. You're just you feel like you are. Yeah, uh, you've got two new artists you're launching. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean. 
in the sense where you know these artists approached me when I was in Atlanta. So Amrit Dasu is a young, um, you know, a young kid from New York. Um, so I work working on his material, and funny enough. He's on the Amar Akbar uh, Tony. Tony soundtrack yeah. with uh-huh. Juggy, wow. which, was, which has been great. He was here at the premiere. And then there's Serena Kern, who's, you know, half half Swiss, half Indian, and she approached me. And, you know, I love the fact that she's got a Tamil kind of background and I'm working with her. You know, I like I like kind of working on things which um, are a challenge as well, and hence, like, the film. You know, it was something which was, I'm going to go into this my first score. Um, and this is why we urge everyone, you know, to really support. It's a British film. Mm. Um you know, and new artists, and I, I, I love working with things which are, you know, it's working with someone who's a legend or working with, you know, a director who's, you know, maybe had a super hit is not what I want to do. Mm. I want to work with people that it's have about got, creating. Yeah, it, I want to. Yeah. Hattel's got that that thing about he's got that drive and he's, you know, and the script is amazing and this is what I want to do and that works with artists, that works with film directors, actors, actresses. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in working with people who are successful. Uh, and Manrina, I, I, I do like that actually. Yes. Uh, Manrina, are, we, are, you, are you going to be treading the boards um, in America? Are we going to see you next, well, I don't know, on screen with Brad Pitt, I, I presume? Oh yeah, that's totally the plan. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> yes, apparently he's casting a dissy Marilyn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the life. I want to go for a Bond girl now. It's like, after yeah. <laughs> what about Bollywood Bond? Would bo- does Bollywood not appeal to you? Of course, Bollywood appeals to me. Oh. Bollywood's amazing. Um, I just want to act. I would do theatre, TV, film, um, any. Opp- I would do amateur dramatics, whatever opportunity I would get. I just love doing it. I have a feeling with you, it's careful what you wish for because yeah. it's going to come true. Uh, but it's can I just say, guys, thank you very, very much for coming to the studio. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this week. Make sure you join us live next Saturday from 10 a.m. on the BBC Asian Network. Thank you for downloading from BBC Asian Network. For more downloads, including Tommy Sandu's Best Bits, the official Asian download chart, and Asian Network reports, log on to the BBC Asian Network website.